Welcome back to another Estate Agent Stories. My name is Chris Watkin, and today I'm joined by Tony and Michaela Annika, who are long-established estate agents from that small village called London. And they're here to tell me their story about how they got together and the trials and the tribulations of running an estate and letting agency and everything else that goes with it. Tony, Michaela, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Now, we've known each other for many a year. I think the first time we met was at an estate agency conference called Sandfest, which was about five or six years ago in sunny Doncaster, where we were having a few Jaeger bombs. At, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not looked back since. Um, now, you guys are, uh, especially you, McKenna, you're prevalent on social media, and an awful lot of estate agents and letting agents know you. I think you run a, a, a big UK letting agent Facebook group or landlord group, don't you? Landlord, landlord. yeah, yeah. Um, and you're not shy of telling your opinion. So that's why I've invited you up to Grantham today oh. to go through your story. So okay. <laughs> the, the purposes of today, boys and girls, of what we're doing is, is that if uh, uh, Tony and Michaela tell their story, then there's probably things that you could learn or um, have affinity with. Uh, because everyone's story is unique, but I think a lot of us do have a lot of shared stories as well. So. When you were growing up as children, and just jump in at any time, I'm not going to pick anyone in particular, did either of you want to be estate agents and landlords and letting agents? Mm, no, no. When, when I was growing up in Nigeria, because I, I was born in Nigeria, when I was growing up, not necessarily being an estate agent, because one of my, uh, my grandfather from my mother's side, he's got a lot of properties, you know, what we are called Port Harcourt in Nigeria. And we used to admire him because he had this uh, Citroen, he was driving then. So we used to admire him because he had a lot of properties and Citroen was making money. Big in the game, Citroen. Yes, that. Citroen, yeah. <laughs> with, with, the, with the old uh, suspension. Yeah, gas suspension. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I d I, yeah, I didn't want to be a, an estate agent. Not an estate no. agent, but getting involved, being a landlord, yeah, really. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, um, Tony, you are obviously considerably older than Michaela. Yes. Obviously, it goes without saying, yes. Because you, know, you, you know, you obviously got her when she was a uh, very young. Because, because um, you're retired now, aren't you? Yeah, uh, semi-retired. Semi-retired. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Um, when did you get to the UK? I got to UK first of September, nineteen seventy-nine. And what made you want to come to the UK from Nigeria? When I was in Nigeria, when I filled my O levels, I got a job in the bank, you know, where, where I was, Niger State, it's called Niger State, I meaning there were three banks, a Barclays Bank International, Standard, Chartered, and Bank of the North. So I applied, three of them gave me interview and offered me a job, but I prefer Barclays Bank because it's more widely known. So I joined Barclays Bank February 1976, and like anybody else, like even in this country, young people, you see all your friends, you know, going abroad, a lot of them are coming to London, going to America. All of a sudden, I said, no, I can't stay in Nigeria. Nigeria was good. Nigeria was booming. There was money. We young people were enjoying ourselves then. Within three and a half years, I had three motorbikes in Nigeria. It was, we were really enjoying ourselves, but you got to move on, you know, so I applied to to come over here to study banking and finance. That's how I ended here. 
She arrived just as Margaret Thatcher was coming in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Tony, where, where did the property or the, the finance passion come from in your family? My family property, my, like in Nigeria, my tribe. You know, they normally, you can have a shop, big house, you have a shop dance that then you rent out through. So our people always invest in properties, Igbo tribe. Then, as I said, my grandfather was into property in those days. He was a big player, was he? Yeah, he was a big player. As I said, in the 60s, he had citron and with his, with his yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as a child, you never forget. I still remember the 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 number plate, the registration number, you know. And that got me interested in property side. So when I came here, obviously I didn't come here to do property. I came here to study. My intention was to study three or four years and go back to Nigeria, because Nigeria was booming in those days, you know. And I met uh, Michaela around '83. And my story started changing. <laughs> Initially, it was for three, four years to go back and then, you know. Good stuff. Tony, what did you learn from your parents growing up? The person I learned most really was my grandfather. You know, because in Nigeria, your father doesn't really get much involved with bringing up children. My mother died when I was about eight. Okay, sorry to hear that. And my father married, remarried, you know. So the person I learned much from is my grandpa, my grandfather, because my father was always hustling, trying to make money for the children. And my grandfather always, you know, showed me around, like during the war, when I used to go fishing and things like that. He said to me, when you get the fish, give them some for the food, go and sell some, and put the money in your pocket and save. So he showed me how to make some money and save some for myself, and don't just give it out. So he made you into a bit of a hustler. Yeah. <laughs> Mika Michaela, when you were growing up, uh, did you want to be an estate agent, letting agent, property investor? Um, no, I wouldn't say I wanted to be an estate agent, but I did love property because my parents used to move a lot. So um, um, my father died when I was a uh, when I, when my mum was pregnant with me. She was newly married. And he actually died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh. So that's why I am very hot on carbon monoxide detectors. Um, and um, he, um, my mum remarried and they used, he was like a builder. So he used to do lots of, um, my stepfather used to do a lot of building work. Um, and we moved a lot. So we moved up north, came back down and all that stuff. So I always had an interest in property because I, I could see the uplift. I'm with you. I'm with you. And this was all in the 70s, was it? In the early 80s? Yeah, yeah, in the 70s. What did your mother teach you as you were growing up? Um, my mum's quite frugal. Um, so Still got she, your mum? She's in Yeah, I've still got my mum, yeah. Um, and she taught me, actually, she taught me resilience. She taught me how to uh, manage and do things. Um, and no matter what the odds are, you have to keep carrying on. My grandmother is quite a player in my life as well, and she's still alive. And she's 98. Wow. And she's definitely a prop. She comes from a property family. So um, her father was a, a master builder, did lots of developments and stuff. Whilst your stepdad 
stepdad wasn't your your father he, he obviously played an important part of your life what did he teach you um not well i would say um actually he used to start things and not finish them so i don't <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that was a very good thing oh, but, but um, I, I, do you finish things um, I didn't when I was younger, but I, I try to now. Okay. Tony, is, is she very good at finishing things? No, she's... Uh, <laughs> she does a lot of things and doesn't... Spin lots of plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but surely it's better to spin lots of plates and have some of them finished than spin no... <laughs> I, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of letting agents, they're very perfectionists and therefore they won't start anything because they... Because it won't be perfect. Yeah. Are either of you a perfectionist? Who's the perfect? I'm not a perfectionist, but I like to do things properly. Not to 100%, you got to be 100%, you know, but no. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's true. But I, I, as far as my, um, as far as my work goes, compliance, um, I am Shit pretty, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, a perfectionist in that one. Do you think because of the what happened with your late father in the carbon monoxide that you probably were just uh, very almost not? You can never be too careful. Don't get me wrong, but that 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 motivated you to make sure that everything's perfect. Yeah, and I think also working in this industry for so long, um, I see landlords make a lot of mistakes, um, and I. I think one of the things I've learned over the years is that actually I don't know everything. I can never know everything. Um, so I'm always learning. And I think that is one of the problems that a lot of landlords face. I can manage it myself and I know what I'm doing. And well, they don't actually keep up well, to date. Well, the horror stories that are, are some of these Facebook groups, as you know, you run one, just basically page one stuff. We're not even talking advanced <laughs> stuff. Like, oh, my word. <laughs> So you guys, you you guys met together in the early eighties. Yeah. He was this dark, suave man that was that was that came into your life. He was a bit of a banker, just doing his exams, <laughs> and you lured him in, did you? Uh, you, know what, you know what happened in those days. You know, we Nigeria, you were young and kind of Nigeria, so come over here. We see girls. He said, "Oh, I love you. I love you." And my wife was laughing at me. How can you love some? You just saw the person. How can you love the person, man? In our own thing, that's the way we, you know, try to chat up girls. So love you and not. But... I can tell you with a spark in his eyes. <laughs> he's a bit of a ladies' man, isn't he? <laughs> it's that little glint in his eyes. It's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> and was it an instant spark between the pair of you? Mm. Yeah, it was really a friend introduced us. You know, my friend and yeah. her friend, you know, Simon and Michelle, you know. Introduced me to her, and then okay. wanted me to another. So, so whereabouts were you living at this point? Is it South London? You're in South East London. Um, funny enough, I lived in um, I lived in Woolwich, which is where I was born. But Tony was living in a bed set. Okay. A little a little bed set in Lewisham. Okay. And it had 1960s furniture in it. Well, I found a photo of it the other day. We were laughing. Um, but it had flowery curtains, you know, that type of thing. And um yeah, it was uh it was a funny little place. Um but I used to stay there quite a lot with him. So and then we got a flat and we moved out. So so in the mid eighties, you you um, you graduated from banking. Were you 
now you'd met Michaela, you weren't going back. Had you decided you when did you when did you get married, guys? Got married eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah. Actually about eighty five, I was meant to either go to Nigeria, go back to Nigeria or go to America. But Michaela persuaded me, you know, to stay with her and you know. Our, our parents were, were not really yeah. interested, you know. Her parents said, oh, you can't marry him because the culture will clash. My father said, don't marry a white woman because I will not come home. So, <laughs> so, did, so did you have any issues with regard to the fact is that obviously you're British white and you're... Yeah. Your parents never, they didn't approve of it in the, at the beginning. Yeah, well, we've had a lot of issues anyway, okay. um, because in back then um, Britain was still quite racist, to be honest, and um, a mixed marriage was quite. Um, it wasn't unheard of because no. it it was kind of in the fifties and sort of thing, but um, a few people were, you know, um, getting married to um, um, foreigners and stuff like that. But it was still frowned upon, and and we did. We did. I did find that um, it was quite, you know, people were still quite, quite racist, and it did affect Tony quite a bit because um, I remember when he was applying for jobs in banks. So um, part of it was to do with his qualifications as well, because he was overqualified for the for the positions he was applying for, but they wouldn't give him the managerial positions. So that was what he was facing at that time. So we, I mean, the reason why um, we got married in 1986 was partly because I knew that if Tony went back to Nigeria, he wouldn't come back because his parents would, well, his father would um, and his uncle would have him marrying somebody from his own tribe. So, uh, and all I got from people was, oh, he only married you to stay here. But actually it was... It, you, mar you married him to keep him in. I married him to keep him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, he, I, I think Tony is really just—he's really tried. He's really, really tried. He's worked really, really hard. So that's why I let him off now and let him have a little bit of a rest. <laughs> Tony, how did it make you feel that you got an exam which allowed you to go for a management role, but because of the colour of your skin, they weren't giving you the job at the time? Yeah. And you were going for lower jobs, which, when I say, you know, on the ladder. And they were saying that you were over well, qualified. How did that make you feel? Yeah, obviously, you know, it's the system. And I felt depressed because here I was, banking qualification, postgraduate uh, di diploma in management studies. And then I have to come down. When I, at times, when I applied for a job, I don't even put my qualification, I just put only O level. But when they see my qualification, they will not even call me for interview. So quite, it was quite depressing. But eventually I know that is reality and you know, I just have to face it. So you went for a job in security. Yeah. And you were working at a local petrol station as a young young couple. Yeah. Um had you bought your first house by this point? Um, yeah, we, we bought our first house. By the way, I used to apply for jobs with my maiden name and not with my married name because otherwise I wouldn't get invited for an interview. Yeah, yeah. So that's how bad things really were. Bad so, so awful, uh, truly awful. <laughs> um, 
so how was the early 90s you know interest rates were up at 15 percent working you know you had you had your daughter by this point no no, 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 no,
interpreter in immigration. Yes. Yep. Okay. And you'd, you'd had your second daughter the year before, Kayla. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Okay. I, I also sold insurance. I was uh, at one point. I was an insurance broker. I can admit it. You know that big uh, fingers of police. Big scandal <laughs> about insurance brokers. You know that time insurance selling insurance was like a wild west. You know so. So did you just set up your agency on your own, or did you bring someone in with you? Yeah, I had a partner. Who was the? I don't want to know the name, but what was the relationship with the business? Uh, it's a friend, and you know, it's like I wouldn't say brother, but we're Africans who classify it as brother. We, we are from the same village, so we know ourselves in Nigeria before we come over here. Okay, so you were set, set up on a stage at C99. The housing market was just about to take off. Yeah. How did that go? How did it? How did it go that you went into business with your with your basically a friend from your village? Yeah. Yeah. Did it go okay? Yes. Um, it went okay for a little while, but he was expecting big bucks to come and uh, it wasn't working out for him. And his wife wanted him because they, they just got a house. Um, they just bought a house. So his wife wanted him to be bringing in lots of money. And you don't really make a lot of money when you first start your agency. In fact, you don't make money for quite a yes. long time. <laughs> and um, so he went off. Uh, and did something else and we built the business up and in 2002 he decided to come back so we we got him to come back we actually moved to another office which was more on a high street um, and the business was doing quite well so your business partner came back things are going well the housing market was rocking and rolling yes. in 07 uh, sorry 05 06 07 um, how did the credit crunch hit Okay, so 2008, um, we started to go through the credit crunch. Um, oh, yeah, before that time, I was doing mortgages as well. Yeah, Tony was doing mortgages. Yeah. You liked having a few fingers in a few Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm quite bad. I, said, I got my SIM up in 2000 and 2005. Okay. My 50th birthday was coming. I said to myself, I've got to get this qualification for my... 50, I said present to myself, and I did it. I got the qualification, then I started doing mortgages. Our business was booming, so I was doing mortgages. Daniel Puchita, mm. partner, was in relatives. Michaela was in charge of office, admin. And things were going really well. Things were going, things were going, even in 2007, 2005, I had brand new BMW X3. My partner had BMW X3 when he first came out. So we are doing well. Until the credit wasn't a Citroen though, was it? Yeah, yeah. No, not Citroen. <laughs> so, so I think um, I think I think I should mention at this point um, during 2006 to 2007. Okay. Um, prior to that, I was I was doing some training. I was actually... You got a psychology degree, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I did um, Open University before that. Then I started doing the CPCAB, which was... I wanted to be a counsellor. Yeah. So I I was going through so much. I was actually working with young people. Um, and at home, I was having problems with my daughter. She was just giving me hell. Um, and she didn't like the fact that I was always working. 
and that gave me real problems. And so I had this child who was lying on the floor and said, I wish you was my mum. And then I would go home and I would have this child at home saying, I hate you and I don't want you to be my mum. So I was in so much conflict. And then the the agency was ticking along and the partner was really doing a lot of the lettings and stuff. Um, but there would be times, because I had so much going on, he would say to me, uh, I gave you that money for the banking. I gave you that money for the banking and little things like that were happening. Um, and then I had a really bad breakdown. I think just, I think it was, was it 2007? Mm. It was 2007. So we had to go away for a little while. Um, and my grandmother was here and she looked after the children while we went to Spain. Um, and we went away and I kind of managed to get on an eve. I think that I had overdone it. I tried to do too many things. Okay, you were, you were running a household because mm. he was nowhere to see because he's fingers in five stones. <laughs> you've, got a, you've got a family to sort out and, you've got a, and you're a bookkeeper, manager, office manager in a letting agency. Meanwhile, you're doing a degree in psychology. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no wonder something had to give. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was also doing my own psychotherapy because that's part of getting the qualification. Yeah, You've got to do all of that as well. I actually, when I finished it, decided I didn't want to do it now. So that was, um, but it is, it was a good thing because it has helped me with the business. So, um, but then we move on to 2008 and I actually found out that our partner was, uh, he was taking money. So for example, um, we didn't have a client account then. We had one whole account. Oh, so money okay. was just paid into the bank. Um, because we started the agency ourselves and we just did a little bit of training with the Letin Training Center, it was called back then. I hadn't joined Property Mark. And as the years went on, I didn't see the point of joining Property Mark. Uh, which was then called Arla. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I didn't realise that money wasn't being paid in. So uh, we used to do a lot of cash because tenants yeah. used to come with the cash. It was cash. Um, I used to pay about £10,000 every week in the bank. Yeah, or even more than that more sometimes. Than that. Business were good in um, and And I didn't realise that um, what was happening was the partner was actually taking business away from us that we were we were drumming up the business and he was actually working with other agents yeah, because about that small agents who, who, who so we used to work who, at like a then, in the area with all different agents yeah. we used to work together um but what would happen is we would split the commission but what he was actually doing was taking the business to the other agents and pocketing his share of the cash. Mm -hmm. And so money wasn't, and then there was times when he would do a whole let, um, and that means uh, a month's and deposit and a month's rent yeah. in advance, and then he would keep that, and then he would tell me that he gave it to me to do the bankings. And what happened was 2008 um, Christmas time, when we came back in 2009, um, he said to me that, because my memory is quite bad, so he said to me, 
I did give you that money. I did because I was doing the bookkeeping, and he said I did give you that money. And Tony said, "Hold on a minute, no, you didn't, yeah. because I was here, and it was in the afternoon, and Mac had gone to pick up her grandmother, grandmother from Victoria to... Station. Yeah. So there's no way that you could have um, given her the money. You could have uh, do that. So um, I started going through the books, and I started finding stuff, and I'd already found other stuff in 2007. But I, I just I just left it at that time. But then that was it. So I had I said to Tony, I don't know how anybody can do that to us. Mm. So when I actually did a proper audit, it, we were sixty thousand pounds down. Yeah, it was terrible. What did you what did he say when you confronted him with that? He was sweating. Well sweating, yes. Because he's a betrayal of trust. This is your friend. It's a friend and, uh, you know, I would say brother, you know, because we live in the same village. We grew up together as, you know, students in Nigeria before we came over here. So it was a big betrayal of trust, you know. What was the fallout from all that? Okay, so that it was um, it, it was a partnership and it wasn't a limited partnership. It was just a partnership. Yeah. So like sole traders, but mm -hmm. partners. So we were liable for everything. Uh, he upped and ran away to Nigeria. Um, and we were family friends. So I'm friends with his wife, etc. So that kind of caused quite a bit of problems. He left his wife anyway. Um, but we decided to pick the pieces up, as we do. And we paid back everybody. We paid, we paid everything back. Yeah. So that... But it took time, it took a year or so, and My, we were in the, well, yeah, it was probably two years, yeah. and we were in the credit crunch, so we didn't have any wages at all during that period of time. Um, but for me, integrity is the most important thing. Yes. So what we did was, we changed the name of the business, we set well, up uh, a limited uh, New company. New Horizons, from New Horizons, changed it to Lucian Lettings Limited. Yeah. So become a limited liability company. And, and, and we opened a client account and we did things properly. Mm -hmm. um, and we said we would never have another partner again. Um, and we, we, we got through it. I mean... It wasn't easy, but... Yeah. We, they, they, a lot of people have said it's, is that take, going into business with, 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 with someone is a decision that you should take just as strongly, if not more strongly, than considering marrying someone. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That was a big lesson for us. It was a big lesson for us. So due diligence, um, but I mean, even if you did due diligence, um, you can't ever know how somebody is going to turn out. Yeah. It's something in their life changes them to make them desperate to start taking money from, you know, um, and it, it's like, um, but apart from that, I mean, we had to get through the credit crunch as well. Yeah. And the credit crunch was tough. That was really Especially if you've got another 60 grand on top. What, yeah. <laughs> do you think it made you stronger people? Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. We were very re resilient, you know, because if not that resilience, Michaela did well, you know, because what she did was all her payments, everything, she said, no, no more credit card, nothing. So she was paying with cash. And we have a proper, you know, have four bedrooms in Lewisham. You know, we are renting at as rooms that that helped us as well. You know, the HMO we have our own property. Well, we had two, didn't we? We have got two, two. Got two in Lewisham. and we got other stuff as well. But our and commercial, 
we bought that in 2007. Yeah, that, yeah, be sure. Yeah. So you got through that. You're in the early te early teens in terms of 21. Uh, sorry, in terms of 11, 12, 13, letting agency and state agency back on track. You started to buy a few properties yourself as things were going up. Okay. No, we'd already bought them. Okay. Yeah, we'd already, we'd already. Well, we we did. We've we've actually added to the portfolio from about 2002. Up, we stopped buying around. 2000 end of 2018 okay so your landlords in the background uh, but that's just your personal investment vehicles because you like because your grandfather liked them yeah <laughs> yes okay um and i know it was around 2015 you started the landlord facebook group um how was the letting agent going letting agency going at that time um, at that time it wasn't really going well and then because what happened is with um, online letting agents, you know, started coming up. And because of the, uh, the financial crisis, a lot of big agents, they were not really serious in letting before. Then they started doing letting in 2008, 2000, and they set up department, and the department carried on. So around Lucian area, we used to control the area with few other independent small agents. And the big agents muzzled in, and started you know going so basically the corporates moving into Lewisham meant that your letting agency was hit yeah 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 they 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 moved they because sales were not moving they basically um started their own lettings and also um letting only started to be hit first of all it started with um gumtree when Gumtree started and Loot, Loot and Gumtree were the two. Yeah, um, once the landlords got to know about them, um, letting only became more and more scarce as they started to do their own lettings. And then open rent come along. Now, when open rent came along, I didn't see that as a threat. I didn't see that as a threat. Um, but if you um, ever sit in the landlords group, and listen to all the landlords, they will tell you, oh, I can advertise my property for £29. So, and they can advertise on Zoopla, Right Move, and everywhere like that. So, we're basically now dealing with um, very few let onlys. They're mainly all managed properties, and a lot of my landlords I've had since 2002. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I mean, some uh, one landlord, I've got power of attorney. Some of them don't even ask me for a statement because, you know, I'm basically the trust is there. The integrity is there. I've been, you know, I, I believe that what goes around comes around. And it, so it, it, if you are an agent and you are in trouble, you need to wind up your business and make sure that your, uh, you make sure that your, your clients are not out of pocket. So would you say you're now more professional landlords who just happen to have a small letting agency by 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 2018-19? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of younger people, you know, they were setting up their own yeah, yeah. And then you have rent to renters, you know, that also grabbing the landlord as well, you know, going direct to landlords. Were you disappointed that your letting agency was drifting slightly? Yes, in a way, because when you start something, it's like your baby, you know. 
We started it and it was growing 2002. Things were really moving and then we're moving there between 2002 and 2008. You know, things were really good for us. And all of a sudden, with credit crunch, I was investing in property. I said to myself, I set my tag myself a target. I said, I have to have 10 properties before I retire. I was buying like one or two every year. And I just taking it easy. And then all of a sudden, credit crunch came. I have to give up my mortgage by March 2009 because it's like turning the tap off. And I know we... Lenders were not lending. I was paying my administration fee to mortgage times, you know. I said, no, I can't be paid 300 pounds every month without getting any income. So I just left and then focused on letting. I wasn't really so much interested in letting, but circumstances said, you got to do that to get on. How did you get through the first lockdown? Um, actually, the lockdown was the best thing that ever happened to me because so many, um, so many things happened. Um, one of them was that Tony decided that he was going to semi-retire and that was it. Um, because I was ill, um, I was having problems with my knees and I was ill, then I got COVID itself. And uh, But during the period of lockdown, um, we, I actually got more clients, but more importantly, I had time to just sit and reflect and actually systemize my business and i think that one of the i mean i joined I'm on, on social as well yeah i mean i what happened was uh, 2018 um i took over the business from tony so i became the director of and uh, rebranded it called it my home and I also joined Property Mark because we, I mean, we already had a client account, but um, you have to have a client account um, going forward for client money protection. And I'd never had client money protection before because I was actually the protector. Nothing would happen to my clients because I, w I have enough integrity to make sure that they never out of pocket. So anyway, I, um, I joined Property Mark um, and I passed the qualifications in 2016. I actually just went, went, I booked the exams and just went in there. I didn't do any study. knowledge. Because I wanted to <laughs> make sure that I knew what I was doing. So I, I was, and then I just decided to join. So I joined um, Property Market in 2018. And in 2020, they sent me an email, said they were looking for regional executives. And I'd been on social media and I'd been doing loads of stuff. So um, just before lockdown, I'd started to network. Now, I'm, I'm, you might not think so, but I'm a bit of an introvert, really. Um, and I find it very difficult to do networking and stuff like that. So that kind of brought me out of my shell a little bit because Tony's very extrovert. Tony. Yeah. <laughs> so Tony, Tony absolutely loves I love that networking. networking. He loves it. So I'm a bit of a showman, aren't <laughs> so, And the network I belong to, you can't believe it. It starts half six in the morning. Oh. I couldn't believe I could do it, but we were looking for business, so we have to do it all. Yeah, red business. You like the breakfast, do you? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> is, that, is that one of you part of Toastmasters as well? 
Yes, we both yeah, are. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a member of it. Yeah, because yeah, that, that was before we, we both joined, but Tony got me to join really because he tries to persuade me to do stuff. Mm. And just, just for the benefit of the camp, uh, what someone might not want Toast, Toastmasters are, what is that? Okay, so Toastmasters is a, a speaking club. Public speaking. Public yeah. speaking. So you go and you stand up in front of and you do a six minute speech and you get, you know, feedback and stuff like that. It's very useful, actually. Anyway. Um, and we just joined that, um, and we'd been to about two. About two meetings. Yeah, and then, and then <laughs> lockdown came, and I'd started losing weight, and I started being a bit healthier, and I started doing lots of stuff, and then lockdown came. But instead of it to be like um, the end of the world, it was actually the beginning of my world, to be honest, because I came out of my shell, started to do a lot of... Um, a lot of online networking yes, because I could get I could get to the meetings because I was having problems with my knees but I could get there because lockdown gave me the freedom to be online and talk to people. Yeah, you also joined the yeah. uh, partners in property with you know. Yeah, I just joined partners in property. That's um, an investors club, and um, I just joined that before lockdown. So they had an online thing. Yeah, they were that good. Was really they were good, good. Really lockdown. Yeah, that was really good. So. Um, and then Property Mark were recruiting for um, a regional executive. And I thought, oh, you know, I, I probably won't get it, but I'll just apply for it anyway, because it'll be interesting. And um, and I actually got the position. So I was, yeah. you know, I thought, oh, well, I can do this then. Um, and they the three year was just recently up and I, I got, recruited again so i did have to go through another interview and stuff though yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like going up the motorway to warwick do you? <laughs> well they're a great bunch they are a very good bunch yeah yes so um my it is my understanding that last last year that you gave your shop up to your daughter is that right she's yeah. running a beauty business there didn't fancy going in the property game no 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 no, 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 no. Went, uh, because what happened you know because our business there was a time it wasn't doing well. So we're always arguing, uh, you know, we, we like to keep business okay. and home affairs separately between ourselves. But the children see that we are talking about money all the time and things like that. That's all those things, you know, pull them off, I think. Do you think taking your letting agent, with your letting agency hat on, off the high street and just attracting not any old landlord, but specific landlords, has made you a happier letting agent. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because when we were in the high street, a lot of people just come in there to have a chat. During summer, they just come to get cold water because they had a cold water machine in the office. They do you think there's, do you think there's a, a lot of time. Do you think there's a lesson here for some letting agents watching this that they don't necessarily have to be on the high street and it's rather, you'd rather have fewer landlords but higher quality landlords than basically loads of landlords just so you could pay the bills? Um, yeah, what I would say to you is, is that uh, I've spent the last 20 years never saying no, cutting my fees, mm -hmm. doing things that make me feel beneath myself, if you understand what I mean, as if I'm not worth it, as if I'm not worthy enough of, uh, of being paid a decent wage. So... Uh, like, for example, somebody, con a friend contacted us the other day and said, I've got a friend of a friend who would like to use your services. I said, fine, put them, 
put them in touch. And they came back to me and they said, um, the current agent is charging 8%. And um, this is an overseas landlord yeah, as well. In America. And um, they're charging 8% and um, we think your fees are too high. And for the first time ever, I just said, that's what I'm worth. This is what you're going to get from me. These are all the things that I can offer you, but I can't do them on the cheap because I need to be paid. But I didn't say it like that, but that's in a nutshell. And basically they came back to me and said, could we have a meeting? So I had a, a meeting, she's in America. And um, we had a conversation and she said to me, well, you know, 8% is really a lot of money and we're already paying tax to the government because they haven't signed up for the NRL. Um, and uh, the current agent's just not performing. <laughs> the current agent is not performing and they're they're charging um 8%. so i just said to her i said well that's why they can't i can't offer you the service that you're looking for and that's why you're not getting the service that you want um so i haven't heard from her now the thing about that is is that i would be beating myself up about that in the past I really take that personally and take that as me being a failure. Yeah. But I don't now. I look at that as if perhaps I've had a lucky escape. <laughs> a lesson learnt there. Yes. So now in 2023, you've taken semi-retirement, although by the sounds of it, you're working just as hard. You... I would say I'm sad, but you know, do my... <laughs> 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 I'm not. I'm not looking after her. She used to look after me and the children, you know. But now, you know, she's in the forefront. I'm in the background, and you know, supporting her what she's doing. You are a landlord yourself. You run a Facebook group for landlords, and you're also a bespoke letting agent for that part of London. Meanwhile, you are a qualified mediator, and I know that you're also part of the Agents Together uh, as a mentor as well. Um, are you happy? Am I happy? Uh, I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with my husband. I'm happy with the way the agents is going and the direction I would like it to go in. Um, there's a little bit missing. I, I I have this innate thing about helping people and I feel like I'm not doing enough. So I, I used to do like, um, I used to walk the streets and help the homeless. That was before my legs got really bad. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people on Facebook, they donated quite a lot of money and I and was able to provide a hundred sleeping bags yeah. for, the, for the homeless uh, project and stuff. I'd really like to do something like that again and i'm really interested in helping tony to help young people to get into property um because he'd like to do that as mentoring um so there's still something there that i'd like to do but surely that is a good thing because that's the fire in your belly that keeps you going you know you've yeah. got yeah. you've got two wonderful daughters who have set out on their own yeah. aspects of life yes You've got a nice letting agency, a letting it that you run it. You it doesn't run you. You you've got a, a lovely husband who is 
crazy as hell in a good way yeah. the the life and soul of the party but at the same time he's not putting his oar in your business because I'm, sure, I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure he's a pain in the arse you've been through an awful lot but there's, but there's still something there that drives you even more because you've accomplished as a couple you know you've been through a lot of shit yeah, if you don't mind me saying yeah you uh I always knew I, I really enjoyed this chat. That, that a lot of people say, "Why do I do these these chats?" Well, I could eat, I, the cameras are on, but I, we're ignoring those. I just I love to get to know people that I want to get to know, and I've learned a lot from you guys today. I've really enjoyed it. Where will you be in five years' time if you come back on the sofa? Okay, so um, in five years' time, I think I would like to be. Um, if I'm still running an agency, I would like to be completely hands-off. I'm not very good at delegation, yeah. so that has been a work in progress. Are you a bit of a control freak? Yeah, just yeah. That's why I say she does this bad. Me, I delegate and manage the process. That's how I cook. She said I leave all the trouble for her. I said, no, I don't leave all the trouble. I delegate and supervise. Okay. So, a bit more semi-retired, but still having your fingers in the pies. Do you fancy going for the big job at Arla? Mm, I don't know, really. Yeah, I don't know. Only time will tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, when she passed the um, mediation, she walked out that way. Phone wasn't on. Rentals Reform Arts came out. She was dying to get on social media, but she can't because she focused on that. She passed the exam and she was really excited. So I think that will give her a lift, you know. I think that I think that will come into its own. Yeah. Um, this is a, a foresight that I have that we will need mediation once the renters' reform comes into play, and. Um, I see a lot of people in distress, so it's it's an in-between. It's a kind of in-between. Well, uh, boys and girls, um, we're coming to the end of the conversation now. We're going to do some separate videos about the hindsight of starting an agency and what you do differently, working, for, working with a business partner who is dishonest and also working as a family. Uh, I'm also going to talk about how we are, you know, we're filming this in the middle of June 23, we don't know what's going to be happening to the economy and if things do go a little bit south, how agents can prepare for that because you've been through that. I want to say thank you very much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope everyone watching this has uh, enjoyed it as well. So thank you for your time today. Thank yeah. you for having thank us. You, thank you. Thank you for having us.